In business, you rarely hear the expression for life. You make a purchase for a product, for a service, and, and there's, a, there's a time frame there. Well, that's not the case with Awaken 180 weight loss. Allow me to explain. You know, a year ago, I started with Awaken 180 weight loss and had incredible success losing weight. But you can lose all the weight in the world and not keep it off. And what good is it? That's why I have support for life from Awaken 180. Yeah. I mean, I go back for check-ins and make sure everything's going smoothly. But if I ever had a problem, the counselors are there to get me back on track. Why don't you do what I did and call for a consultation? 844-346-1800. 844-346-1800. Or go to awaken180weightloss.com. Hi, and welcome to Between the Lines. On this show, you will hear about and from lesser-known Canadian authors and writers who, for whatever reason, have remained under the radar of traditional publishers and publishing houses. If it has something to do with writing or the writing process, you are going to hear a discussion about it here. I'm your host, Randy Lacey, and I encourage you to grab your bevy of choice, get comfy, and get ready to go Between the Lines. People come into writing in several different ways. For some, doing school assignments was their first introduction. For others, it may have been from a book or a poem they had been reading and wondered if they might be able to write a book or a poem. Every writer has taken a different path away from where they first began the writing journey they are on. Each writer's journey will be different, yet similar. But there is one thing all writers have in common. A different destination. And now for someone completely different. On this episode, I will be speaking with Lori Mueller. Hello, Lori, and welcome to Between the Lines. Hi, Randy. It's great to be here. Uh, Lori, this is the part where I let you talk a little bit about yourself. Things like, uh, where do you currently call home? Has it always been anywhere else you've lived? What do you do when you're not writing uh, what do you primarily write? That sort of thing. Well, I think I have to make a confession right to start with. I'm a great grandma. Ooh, congratulations. I, I uh, have an adorable four-year-old granddaughter, great-granddaughter. So that tells you I'm not 30 years old. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I was born in Comox on Vancouver Island because our family lived on Hornby Island. And when I was young, we moved to Victoria. I had the privilege of growing up here and it was hard when I moved to Prince George as a young bride and about to be mom moving into the snow and I never did get used to it. But I lived in the interior of BC for 30 years and I lived in all sorts of small towns, Mackenzie, Fort Nelson, McBride, Williams Lake. But 20 years ago, I came back here and uh, this is home. So Victoria is home for me. You um, wanted to... wrong with Victoria. I love Victoria. We we were spending a bit of time down in Mexico, but uh, we only did that three winters in a row. Uh, and now it it seems like being home is the best place to be. Now, if I'm not mistaken, when we first met, you were down in Mexico, were you? Not? Probably, Puerto Vallarta. Yeah, 
I, I can recall that. And you were, uh, you were, uh, well, I'm busy out on a walk right now or something to that effect. <laughs> I think you were bragging about the view from your villa. Ah, uh, yes. Could have been. Could have been. <laughs> well, that's, uh, not, that's, not my villa. <laughs> well, it was yours while you were there. That's true. So I guess the first question I'm going to ask you is, do you recall the first time you were inspired to write outside of an educational setting? See, sometimes I have to break rules because I remember very clearly being in grade seven. Mr. Chater was my teacher. And instead of doing a social studies chapter on Greece, the way we usually did by reading aloud and answering questions and totally getting bored, (laughs) he said to us, you're going to write a newspaper. The class is the newspaper office. And you are going to take everything that is in this chapter and turn it into newspaper articles and columns and Dear Abby and whatever. And I remember thinking, wow, if this is the way the rest of school is going to be, I'm going to love it. Of course, it wasn't. But that was such a exciting time to be able to create a newspaper and out of the information that we had. So that was my first experience, but I have another one too. When I was in grade nine, I swore at my mother and she sent me off to boarding school for three months. And I, and it was like April to June. So everybody'd been there for a while. Anyway, I made friends with this lovely young blonde woman who I came to understand was very creative. And I used to look at her drawings and her poetry that she'd instantly create. And I think, oh, I want to be just like her. So I came home from that experience and started writing poetry. And, you know, a boy would take me out once. I'd fall madly in love with him. And then he'd not take me out again. He'd take somebody else out. So I'd be heartbroken. And that was the way I wrote poetry. And I called it emotionalism. Well, that would be pretty accurate. (laughs) Yeah, it would. So uh, I did write a poem that I remember, and I wrote down the notes. Here it is. It started off this way. Now, you got to remember, I was in grade, just out of grade nine, maybe grade 10 by that time. That's fine. To be in love is warm, secure, and full of happiness. But when he leaves and doesn't love you anymore, you feel cold insecure, and full of unhappiness. <laughs> Aww. I, I think I've moved on. <laughs> uh, yeah. Maybe a couple of times? <laughs> a few. <laughs> well, I guess, uh, as you were saying, that probably answers part of question number two, is about remembering uh, what you wrote the first time you were inspired to write. Yeah, yeah. Were you one of those writers who kept everything to themselves or did you like openly share everything? Uh, or were you one of those, here, read this and in your face type of writer? Well, mostly I'm a share. My reason for writing is to help people feel included, help people understand things, help people have a better life. So those things have got to be shared right away. I do journal every morning. And my journal stays in my bedroom or out of sight of any company that might come in in case they accidentally open it. But but the writing, I do a lot of writing for other people. So that leads me to another question then. You journal, but do you keep a notebook about your writing as well, or are they the same book? Well, 
I have uh, many, many notebooks around. Really, the journal is the one that I can go back to date-wise and find things. The other books are, I try, I try to keep them separate. I try to keep the, the book about uh, this in this book and the information about this book, but then I pick up the wrong book and I write the wrong thing in it. And so it, that might tell you that I'm not that organized, even though I try to be. We all like to think we are sometimes. Try being blind and do it. Yeah. Well, I, uh, I have just had two cataract operations, which allowed me to drive again. And, but in the meantime, all of a sudden I realized that I don't have perfect sight because now I can't see close up. So I've been struggling with finding the right glasses to be able to see close up. So mm. I find that lots of times it's easier to write on my iPad because there's a bright light there. So that adds to my confusion in that, did I put it in my journal or did I put it in my iPad? You, you, so you keep a physical book that you journal in. Yes, I, I have that. I, I, when I wrote poetry, I had a notebook with me all the time, but I never had a writing journal for ideas or whatever. That was all new to me when Mm. I discovered that what you're supposed to edit poetry, but that's another topic. You edit poetry? What's that? You edit poetry? Well, you know, I took a course through the Hadley School for the Blind, um, and the the course was actually called Elements of Poetry, and my instructor said, now, go back and find an old poem that you wrote and edit it. And I went, what? And she says, yeah, edit it. I had no idea. I thought it was supposed to be the the way that it comes out is the way that it was meant to be. Mm -hmm. And then I found out you can edit and change things. And sometimes that's a good thing, and sometimes it's not. Well, I had a, I had a poem that was like three pages long, and uh, she said, "Shorten it, edit it, and shorten it." And I didn't know what to do, but I, I, I turned into a one-page poem, and it's it's actually in one of my books. But yeah, apparently you can do these things. What is your philosophy about writer's block? Well, I. Uh... A number of years ago, I guess a few decades ago, I read Julia Cameron's book, uh, The Artist's Way. And she talked about writing three pages a day before you do anything else. Before you try to write, you know, the great novel or anything else, just write. And if you can't think of what to write, make a list. Do your grocery list. Write about the wall and what's on it. Those of us that are on CBC rights, or what are we called? Canada rights. There's word prompts. There's often writing prompts there. So take a writing prompt, but just do those three pages every day. And I found that whatever I'm doing, if I've written those three pages in the morning, I have a much better chance of getting down what I want. But the other thing that I, I think of I don't, I don't know that this is philosophy. Maybe it's more method, but, um, no, I forgot what I was going to say. It's all right. Take your time. You're not being paid by the minute. Oh, good. Oh, good. (laughs) Uh, but it might not be that, uh, you know, if you're, you're having trouble thinking about what to write, maybe you need to go and draw something or create a flower bouquet or do a collage or do something else that's creative and take your mind off of that. And then go back to it because 
Yes, I suppose we can have blocks. And there are times when I've got to places in my writing and think, I just, I don't know what to write about now. I don't know what to do here. But, you know, you go away and do something different. Stay creative. And then, you know, the words will flow. Sometimes the words are in control and not us. Do you think the term writer's block is a fair term then? Or is it an accurate term? Or is it maybe something, especially your creativity for this project has ceased. Go and do something else and come back and it'll come back. So is it a block or is it just out of information at this time? Well, I think that it probably is different for different people. Okay. I know I decided a while back that I was going, quite a while back, that I was going to write uh, murder mysteries. And uh, and Randy, you know this because I've questioned you on some of the things that I needed to know for uh, yep, for I my remember. story. But um, I, uh, after I had spent quite a bit of time with my book, I realized I had no clue who killed the person. I had no clue where they went and what they did. And, <laughs> and so I put it aside and I eventually did come up with the answer of who killed the, the victim. But I realized that to get as many words as you need for a book, I just, they weren't there. Those words weren't there. And I thought, you know, when I write nonfiction, I'm in my element. My heart sings. So, you know, maybe, for me anyway, maybe it wasn't writer's block. Maybe it was just, this isn't where I need to be right now. That's a fair enough statement. So you're more comfortable with nonfiction? A hundred percent. So what prompted you to take that leap into fiction? Well... I read all of Agatha Christie's books at least twice. I always wanted to be Agatha Christie too. <laughs> so that goes back to reading and I can do that. Yeah. Yeah. And and totally enjoying the book. Yeah. But that's, that's um important. But really I talked about that doing that newspaper in um in grade seven. And that's where my heart is. In writing newspaper articles and writing magazine articles and writing blogs and writing things that are going to help others make sense of the world. So I don't have, I don't really have blocks there. Okay. Where do you find your inspiration to write then? <laughs> Where do I find my inspiration? Well, because I want to help people and because I can sit down and start writing. That's the inspiration. So my personality type is the type of personality that I think we're made to help people. We're made to inspire people and teach people. So when, when I write, it's gotta, it's gotta do that. It's got, it's gotta have a purpose. And so. So you can pick up a newspaper and something within that newspaper will spark something in you or can have the potential to spark something in you to want to write about it to help somebody. Yeah. That kind of thing? Yeah. Anytime I've joined an organization, if they don't have a newsletter, they do once I start. (laughs) And I went to Africa a few years ago with a 
a society called For the Love of Africa, and uh, they were building schools. And I spent all my time going around to their previous projects and taking pictures and asking questions and getting to know the people and and then writing about it so that we could tell people uh, back home why it was important to support this pro- these projects. If you don't have a writing project for me in your organization, then I probably don't fit there. <laughs> Makes sense. That's the reason. It sounds kind of black and white. I don't think it's quite that black and white, but. <laughs> yeah, but black and white makes a nice shade of gray. Yes. Okay. <laughs> um, you, you may have already answered this in, in, in part, but, um, we'll go to see if there's any further response to this. Is there a certain time of day where you find yourself more productive? Mm. Well, this morning I woke up at 4.30. And I reached over, picked up my iPad, so I didn't have to turn the light on and disturb my husband, although I probably the light wouldn't have. And uh, I wrote till 7. And that's quite typical that I will wake up around 5 in the morning and spend the first couple of hours writing. That doesn't mean I don't write later on in the day, but that morning time when no one is up, there's no cars going by, uh, maybe in the, like in the spring, summer and early fall, there's birds singing and that's wonderful background, but it's just, um, to me, it's a magic time of day. That doesn't necessarily mean that you are less productive during the day. It's just, that is the best time for you to focus. Yeah. That, that's the time of day each day that I spend writing. Other times it's because I've got a project on the go or I need to get something done for a deadline. So I might be writing into the night. Is there a part of you that wishes you could just write anytime, no rhyme or reason, just I got to do this? Oh, yeah, I can do. Yeah, I do that. Yeah. (laughs) So I guess you've already answered this question, too, though. But like, why do you suppose it's that morning is just because of the the silence and the time for yourself and no distractions pretty much. Yeah. I think there's almost a, a sacred buzz in the air at that time of day. A sacred buzz. I've never heard that before. I just <laughs> thought of it. <laughs> what is your writing goal? You know, what I really want to do is, is meet an organization that is doing something very worthwhile on a global stage and help them to get their word out by doing all the writing stuff for them, writing their, writing a blog about them, um, newsletters, writing a book, diving deep into their organization and, and, and writing the stories. You know, I've read, I've read some really good books that were just one story after another and you can't put it down because it's a story about another person. And that helps people to understand why their work or their money or their time is needed to help others. I'm sure that there's no shortage of organizations looking for people like you. Maybe. <laughs> Where do you find them? I don't know yet. I I just finished uh, not too long ago with For the Love of Africa, and I had done quite a bit of work writing for them. And... um So now I'm just thinking about 
what's next. And that's, that's what's next for me. Um, the next part of this is part two. We're going to call the, the meat and potatoes. Ah. So now we're going to ask you a couple more questions here. Can you let the listeners know about your published books, if there are any? And we've talked about this, so I know the answers to that. And where they can, where they might be able to find them. I wrote uh, a book in 2009, and I published it on the web. It was one of those, uh, uh, it, it was a PDF. Somebody would order it, and I would send it off to them as a PDF. Okay. Uh, then I went back to work. I was working in a senior's residence, and uh, I just got caught up in that and didn't bother marketing my book anymore. It was something that uh, some of the families of my residents needed. So I would share it with them. But I republished it on Amazon in, I think it was January of this year. Because in a pandemic, this is a book that I think a lot of people could use. The book is called, can I give them the name of the book? Go ahead. It's, It's called The Ultimate Guide on What to Do When Someone You Love Dies. And it's a book all about the practical aspects when your spouse or your parent or your child dies and you need to be there and be the one that takes care of all the details. So it's got a checklist of things to be done. It's got how to write a eulogy. It's got how to write an obituary, how to set up a funeral service. And in times of pandemic, some of us are, some people are doing it on Zoom. And so I have a section about that. There's all sorts of tips and tricks, including, you know, how to write, uh, but also how to speak. If you're giving a eulogy, then, you know, what are some of the things, if you're standing in front of a, a group of people, that you wouldn't normally know because that's what that's not what everybody does. And uh, I even re- rewrote some poet, wrote some poetry and put it in. And I guess maybe I did edit that poetry. Randy. <laughs> anyway, uh, has it, it even has a, it even has a, a chapter about, uh, planning for your own funeral. Now that's lots of people like to be prepared. Uh, when I first wrote it, I was thinking about people who would be, no, maybe it was 10 o'clock at night. They were going to their grandfather's funeral and they were giving the eulogy and they didn't have a clue what to do and they typed in to Google. How do I write a eulogy? And my book would pop up. But since the pandemic, and since I've been speaking to groups and talking to them, what I've discovered is a lot of people want to buy the book so that they can give it to their children or their spouse or their siblings so that they're prepared for either an older parent dying or their children are prepared if something happens to them. So. It's a book not just for the last minute, oh my gosh, I don't know what to do, but it's also a book for people who plan. It sounds like you might have found a a niche market on an area of life that is broad. So that's that's good for you. And it's been well received? Yeah, it's been great, yeah. And it's opened up other doors. You were talking about speaking engagements and... How would anybody contact you for those? 
Well, I have a website. Okay. And where is that? It's, call, it's called lauriemconsulting.com. The same thing, Laurie M. Consulting Facebook page. And I also have one called Laurie's Eclectic Spirituality page. So you can get a hold of me any of those ways. There will be a transcript of this uh, interview for people to actually see where. So they don't have to recall, try and rack their memory. Yeah. I've, I've been giving uh, talks, as I said, to, well, a variety of types of organizations. Um, I have a talk that I prepared. I think it's called, I should have written down the name of it, something like Eight Life Lessons I've Learned. An author speaks about life, death, and a book she wrote. And so when I give a talk, I don't, I don't want to just talk about death. People don't want to come and listen to that. But I talk about how we can live our lives fully for however we live, however long we live. Mm. One of those points, of course, is being prepared. Um, but uh, but it's a fun talk. It's not a downer. <laughs> Cause I'm, so I most like of these to... most of these meetings or whatever are online or Zoom or I've done Zoom. Person? Yeah, I've done Zoom. Since I've been giving the talks, of course, it's been the pandemic. So um, maybe that'll turn around in the future. Who knows? We'll see. Yeah. That's uh that's a, a really good service that you can provide through that. No, there's a lot of people that need it. I know in uh <laughs> in ninety six I could have certainly used you, but <laughs> um that's another topic for another day. Well, Randy, I'm here for you when you need me again. Well, I know that. And, uh, and that's the beautiful thing about, um, you know, I'm going to plug my, my group here on Facebook, but, um, right. Canadian Creative Writers on Facebook has been a, a really neat opportunity to connect with people, not just in a Facebook group, but, um, I, I'm trying to, or I've tried to create an area that people are comfortable enough with each other that on on a side note they can reach out and say hey, listen i'm struggling with something or what or, or whatever it doesn't necessarily have to be about writing at that point but mm-hmm. i think everybody that's in the group appreciates the fact that they are able if they wanted to to lean on others and, and uh sorry hey, watch your that, microphone. that's great though it is, and and that is partially why I created the group because there's so much negativity negativity in some of the other groups that mm-hmm. uh, you know the main focus of the group is is writing and and writers and mm-hmm. but as writers in writing sometimes we go through things that we just can't process without talking to somebody else mm-hmm. and I think we've we've bred a an air of comfortability with each other. I mean, there's over a thousand people in the group, but I don't know everybody, everybody personally, but I've responded to everybody personally who's joined the group. And I think that was part of the, oh. um, oh, and here I thought you'd only responded to me. Ah, uh, well, you were one of the first ones. The group had to <laughs> start was. with some people. <laughs> um, how and where can listeners find you on the web? So you've given. Your web address. Is there any other place? Is there a blog that you frequently visit? Other people's blogs? Um, 
My blog is right on my website. Okay. Yeah. No guest appearances anywhere? No. No. Hadn't even thought about it. Hmm. I'm open to being a guest blogger. Well, you know what? I happen to have a blog. We can talk about this later. (laughs) But I do have my own own blog site that you're more than welcome to be a guest writer in. And uh, there's no topic that can't be broached. So... Right. There's an invitation to you. We can talk about that later. Well, Lori, this is uh, this has been good getting to know you. I mean, I've known you for a little while, but not in this depth. And it's been good getting to know you. Um, are you currently working on anything? Is there another uh, book or project that you're working on? Really, mostly I am marketing my book. I don't even like the word marketing. I'm letting people know about my book. So that's been what's been taking up most of my time. I am writing for a magazine. I have a column in Inspired 55 Plus magazine. uh, And my column is called Living on Purpose. Living on Purpose? Living on Purpose. I... I'm playing around right now with a little book for a child uh, inspired by my great-granddaughter. Mm-hmm. And we'll see if how that comes. But, uh, at this point, my my focus is getting this book out. I think it's important to get it out to the world. Excellent. And uh, I surprised you with a question in our, in our Facebook chat, but uh, I think it went something to the effect of, for do writers. you have any advice for any any new writers or writers that can't seem to get things going? Well, yeah, I've got a few things that I would say that are things that I've learned. So I'm just passing on my learnings. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to try new genres or new creative avenues. You know, we're all highly creative. If we're writers or thinking about being writers, we're already highly creative. So don't turn off any spouts. Allow, allow the different ideas that come up in your head to be, to be something that you try. And, you know, a lot of them might not work out, but hey, wasn't it fun trying them? You know and as well it, as I do, though, however, Lori, that there are people who will be negative about us trying something new. Yeah. Right. So what would you say to them about that? To the people who are negative or the people who are having receiving the negativity, receiving the negativity. I think choose your friends. (laughs) Somebody said to me the other day, you've got a lot of creative friends. And I thought, yes, I do. And I've chosen them because they are creative as well as wonderful, loving people. But, um, you know, I spent a lot of my life. With people who weren't. They were good people, but they didn't understand the creativity piece. Mm. Uh, I have a mentor. Her name is um, Samantha Bennett. You can find her on Facebook at highly Secrets of Highly Creative People. Anyway, she says, art before housework. Art before housework. Okay. And, uh, you know, if if the people that you're talking to don't, like what you're doing, don't tell them. Just don't tell them. Find the creative people that are going to bring you up and and give you uh, positiveness in your life. Yeah, there's there's too much negativity in the world as it is. 
then when you're trying to write and whatever you're inspired about and and people get negative towards it, it's probably because they don't understand your perspective of what you're writing mm-hmm. until it's done, but they don't have that patience probably. And And there are people in my life who don't really know what I wrote. They know I talk about a book, but they're not interested. And I don't push it. What about family? Have uh, they been a good support for your writing or? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. My family, my granddaughter. No, I'll go back. I, uh, when I published, republished my book, it was on Amazon. So I bought a copy of the book through Amazon so it could be delivered to my kids because they don't live in the same city. So they all received a copy of my book. My granddaughter texted me and said, Grandma, thank you. Grandma, I'm at work right now. I can't read it right now, but when I get home, I'm going to sit down and read it. And then the next text was, Grandma, I'm at home. I've got an hour's worth of housework to do, and then I'm going to read the book. The next text was, Grandma, Thank you for writing this book. Mm. And then she bought, then she wanted a copy for her mom. And uh, so I just sent that one. But uh, then she wanted, uh, I think she ordered six books. I need these for my friends, grandma. <laughs> so, um, yeah, my kids are very supportive. My husband is uh, my editor, my positive critic, uh, my, yeah. He he's the logical one in the family, so. So he's not a writer. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah he is, but he's got to a point where his writing, he's well talk about writer's block. He's decided that he doesn't know where to go next, so he's just left it because he likes to think about it, know what it is, and then put it on paper. And if he doesn't have that in his head, he doesn't write. Don't even sit down. Yeah. For me, um, my my friends and my family encouraged me to write and get published. But when I was published, they never supported me. It was really weird. I didn't make no sense of that. But here we are. And uh, this has been interesting. Thank you for doing this interview. Good luck in the future with your future writing. And don't be a stranger, and um, the best of success to you. Thank you, Randy. I really appreciate what you've done. Like, for instance, helping me out when I had some questions about some things. And Well, I was only giving you my personal experience. (laughs) Yeah, well, that, you know, not everybody would do that. And I appreciate the fact that you've started that Facebook page and your comments to people on it. Um, I think you're doing a good service. And this blog thing is really kind of, no, not blog. What are we? A podcast. Podcast. Yes. Is a lot of fun. So to the 70 people who you've got, uh, coming after me, have fun. There are a lot, there is a lot of interest that, uh, that is generated right now in wanting to be a part of this. And, uh, I'm happy, more than happy to do my share. And, uh, as you stated off, podcast you're happy to be my second (laughs) (laughs) thank you so much Lori. thank you randy all right have a good one you have been listening to between the lines with randy lacy 
In future episodes, I will be talking with authors and writers from across the country about all things writing. So if you like what you heard, I encourage you to tune in to some future episodes of Between the Lines. 